TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk. Hey everybody, Steve Gennaro here for TFC Talk. Toronto FC coming off a victory in the Voyagers Cup, their sixth Voyagers Cup. Not only their sixth Voyagers Cup, but in front of a record uh, audience or attendance, uh, home field, the BMO Field, 26,000 plus fans. crammed BMO Field on a Tuesday night where Toronto FC were crowned Canadian champions again. Second year in a row, sixth time in the franchise's history. And with that, Toronto FC now moves on for the opportunity to play in the CONCACAF's Champions League. Because of that, and because of how special an, uh, an event that was for Canadian soccer going forward, thought we'd have a nice little special show for you to recap the game as a whole. So here's what follows. First, you will get Dario Passarelli at Papa Dart, who covered the game for All in Sports Talk. As you know, I was away and I missed the game. Talk about a, missing a great game. You know, I'm at every single game, and the game that I miss, of course, ends up being a huge one with a great goal by Sebastian Javinko in extra time to seal it, to give the victory to Toronto FC 2-1 to on the second leg and 3-2 to in aggregate over the Montreal Impact. So you'll get first things first, Dario Passarelli, who covered the game for Toronto FC, along with Serena Adatia and our good friend Alex Dedesi, who is now our photographer at All In Sports Talk. Great coverage, by the way. If you didn't check it out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, All In Sports Talk, doing some very nice stuff. Thanks to those great people who are involved. You'll hear Dario, and he'll give you the rundown of the game. Then you'll hear Toronto FC head coach Greg Venny in his post-match press conference. And that's about 14 minutes where you know Greg answers all the questions immediately following the victory. So that is live you know, in, in the press conference room, the, the media scrum immediately following the victory. After that, though, we have a couple extra guests, special guests for you. First, you'll hear Nick Sabetti from uh, TSN Radio, Impact Weekly uh, in Montreal. So you'll get to hear Nick Sabetti talk about how Montreal viewed the final, the Canadian Championship, and you know the experience as a whole, a little bit on the rivalry between Toronto and Montreal Impact, the 401 Derby. Then you hear Kristen Knowles, who is the uh, you know host of the Vocal Minority podcast, the Toronto FC podcast, also a Voyager herself, and the one who carried the trophy out to the you know to to the, to the champions Toronto FC at the end of the match as well. So you hear from from Kristen Knowles about the match and just the experience of watching it. And then finally, you get a little bit of uh, Anthony Tatera. Yes, right, Mister Canadian Soccer himself, and talks a little bit about the the importance of the Voyagers Cup to Canadian soccer and what that means for Canadian soccer going forward as the game continues to grow. Hope you enjoy the show. As always, I'm Steve Gennaro at underscore S Gennaro. It's all in sports talk at all in sports talk. And until next time, up the Reds. TFC Talk on all in sports talk. The 401 Derby between the Montreal Impact and Toronto FC have turned out some incredibly exciting games. And Tuesday's most recent chapter certainly did not disappoint. TFC are 17 points ahead of the Impact in the MLS standings, but that means nothing when these two teams meet. Every game is a battle, regardless of what the standings say. So after a 1-1 draw in Montreal, the finals of the Canadian Championship was at BMO Field, and the game had everything you could possibly want. Some great saves, some great goals, a little pushing and shoving, and plenty of emotion. The Voyagers' Cup has grown in importance, and you can tell both teams desperately wanted to win by fielding very strong lineups, despite being in the midst of a hectic MLS schedule. There will be many who will say that Toronto's 2-1 victory was controversial, as some of the referee's decisions were questioned. Sebastian Javinko's game-winning goal in added time, for example, came only a few minutes after Patrice Bernier was ejected from the game. Personally, I don't believe that his tackle deserved a red card, but in all fairness, Montreal can't blame the referee for this loss. Late in the game, Javinko was brought down in the penalty area, which should have resulted in a penalty shot, but none was given. And in fact, even earlier, Kyle Fisher ran 15 yards and body-checked Stephen Bateshort to prevent a counterattack, and should have been ejected, yet he wasn't. 
So yes, the refereeing was not the greatest, but it certainly didn't impact the impact, pardon the pun, as they would have you believe. Now, TFC's backline was solid, during much better at handling Montreal's attack than the first game. The impact usually do not have much possession, but they take advantage of the long ball as forwards find seams between the defenders. There is no such opening to be found on this night as the back line and goalie Clint Irwin had everything under control. Even Montreal's goal, which was a tremendous shot by Ballou, was a little lucky. Chris Mavinga had come across the field and did a very solid slide tackle, only for the ball to make a fortuitous bounce right to the impact player that tapped it to Ballou for the goal. Montreal, though, rarely threatened throughout the night. It's a completely different story at the opposite end of the field, as TFC's offense was once again firing on all cylinders. There were few chances in that first half that could have, and probably should have, resulted in goals. A header by to St. Ricketts forced a sparkling save from Maxim Carpeau, and a few shots were wide of the target. Michaels Bradley started the game a little slow, as he was trapped a few times into coughing up the ball, and he was also late on a few tackles. He completely made up for it, though, with a moment of magic in the 54th minute, as his position pass helped set up Javinko's first goal. Raheem Edwards notched yet another assist on the game winner, and that should help boost his confidence as he joins Team Canada for the Gold Cup over the next few weeks. Finally, this game should be a warning to all other teams in MLS. Toronto FC has been on top of the table recently, and that has been with a subpar Javinko. But with three goals in the last two games, Imagine how better this team can actually be when the Atomic Ant is being his usual self. I, for one, can't wait to see. Dario Pastorelli, TFC Talk. TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk. Yeah, a couple things. First, uh, Montreal, always, when we play Montreal, it's always a grind. They are a veteran team, a good team, an organized team. Um, Always a... a difficult opposition for us in every scenario and it just seems like every time we play them the the games are more and more exciting in different ways but um, so you know obviously congratulations to them in terms of just <clears throat> always being uh, the competitor that they are and and it took us you know 90 plus minutes to finally get the goal that was decisive uh, for us it's a big night because we were able to with this group for the first time lift a trophy in front of our fans in Toronto which is something that uh, is very meaningful to us. Uh, obviously, with the way things went last year in the final and not being able to do so tonight was an important um, moment in that way. Uh, we're very proud to be the Canadian champions. That's uh, a big thing for us. It's one of our goals. It's one of our um, things that we can now check off. Uh, it also gives us the opportunity to to obviously compete now in Champions League, which is a which is a big thing for the group of guys in that locker room because we. We feel like and they feel like we have a team that can really compete to maybe win it and be the first team to win it. And so uh, for this, for tonight, it it does a lot of things for us. It checks a lot of boxes. Um, But on the same token, tomorrow we'll be back in and be ready, getting ready for the next game because that's how this team rolls. They, uh, you know, one game at a time, one play at a time, and um, we, we continue on our process of trying to be the best version of ourselves every time we come out. The Montreal coach said the referee had a direct influence on the game with his work and that you guys, your players, intimidated. What do you think? Um, well, I think always referees have a direct influence on the game. They're a part of the game. Um, I would say they were a little fortunate not to get away with a red, a yellow, or sorry, with a penalty kick there at the end that might have been the decisive moment. Um, and the red card is what it is. I mean, I think... Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sitting here saying it was the best officiated game in the history of soccer. That was 
Um, <clears throat> that is what it is. But it's two teams that are competing hard in a, in a big match. And, um, yeah, if it, if it came down to officiating, then whatever. They can, they can take that as their out for tonight. But for me, it was two teams competing hard. So. A lot of the talk this year has been on uh, Altidore and uh, you know, Bradley and Victor Vasquez has been uh, terrific by all. One counts. of the best players in the league, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, that's to my point. Um, you know, Javinko has kind of been left out of that conversation, passed over from for injury and, and whatnot. Uh, was tonight a reminder of how important he is to this team? It should be. Uh, he's just had an unfortunate season, you know, and it's been. Um, getting into a rhythm by getting matches, getting himself fit after coming off of an injury, getting the sharpness that you need uh, ultimately to score goals when you have a lot of people keeping an eye on you uh, over the course of a game. And um, today he showed that in some moments he's just a little bit quicker than everybody else and a little bit sharper than than everybody else. And and he has that ability to make plays. And so I'm – I'm proud of him because he's been working incredibly hard in every facet of what we do at the training grounds to get himself uh, into the condition that I think he's he's arriving into. Um, he feels obviously the burden of of being a guy who scores goals for us and helps us win games, and and so he's been pushing really hard. And tonight is uh, the start of hopefully what can be a, a nice rhythm for him. And and goal scorers usually find a way to get onto streaks and get running and get moving and goals usually come in bunches for guys who know how to score goals. So, uh, this is, this is a good night for him. And, uh, I'm proud of him because also because <clears throat> coming off the final where he wasn't able to stay on the field for the entire match through the, through the, um, through the extra time tonight to be there in a big game and bury the two goals that, that went in for us. It's, it's just a, it's a huge night for him, I think. And, and hopefully again, we can continue to build off of this as a team and him as a player. Baloo's goal was very much against the run of play. Yeah. Up until that point, you, you pretty much dictated the pace of the game. What did you think when, when they opened up the scoring like that? Just, you know, it's Montreal. It's it's Montreal. Uh, that's why I'm I'm a little baffled that the referee is the one who had such an influence when they only had a couple chances on goal the entire game. However, that is Montreal. They need only a couple chances uh, because they are so decisive when they can get going and build speed into their attacks on transitions or eliminate a defender and get running at your back line. They have guys on, on the attacking side who can really make plays if you make mistakes. And, you know, on that particular moment, we made a couple defensive mistakes. We allow Baloo to get a look at goal, and uh, credit to him. He's a young player who's making his way. He picked out the upper corner. It was a great finish uh, for him. But that's, you know, in the games that we've lost against them, they've all been very much that way where – you know, we have possession, we have them sort of pinned back in various ways, and boom, they just hit us with a couple passes on the, on, uh, on the other side. So it's, it's not surprising. That's why our message to our group whenever we play them is you can never shut off against these guys because they don't need many opportunities to, to hurt you and put you away. Raheem had a tough night up against Kamara on the left-hand side, but then comes through at the end. Does that tell you something about his, his mental strength as a young player? Yeah, it was... Again, uh, you know, I feel like for Raheem, he had such a great start, right, that expectations went through the roof right from, you know, his first five to seven games. But when you're in your first MLS season, there's always a moment where things kind of catch up to you. It gets it gets hot, it gets heavy, it gets long, right? You start to – he's not our guy who plays every single match. And so you get, you get your own taste of sort of adversity through this. And, and I thought tonight – 
he came against a, a tough opponent who was a good defender who was rangy, long, right, and um, wasn't necessarily always committed to attacking but found good times to try to attack. And, you know, Raheem stuck with it and he stayed confident. And that's been my message to him is, right, there's things that we've got to continue to work on and build on, and, and but he needs to stay aggressive as, as an attacking player. That's the difference that he makes for our team is when he's aggressive and when he's looking to, to break the back line with with uh, with his runs, when he's looking to take people on on the outside, he can make differences in games. He's got enough assists already as a young pro to prove that he can make a difference in a game. Uh, and it's just about him continuing to to uh, to recognize what it is that makes him successful and work on the things that need to be tightened up and and you know I'm not surprised I think and if I'm not mistaken in Montreal he had the assist is that correct in that game as well so um, look he has the ability in, a, in an instant to make a play and he made a fantastic play there at the end it was a it was a great run and a great cross to find Seba in, in a good pocket. Uh, Greg, you've spoken a lot about how important it is for the side to score the first goal. Was there ever a moment when Montreal took the no, um, you know, I think two things. I knew we would, with a couple of tactical adjustments, and I knew that the game would, would find its urgency in the second half, and when the game got faster, I thought we would really create our chances. I thought in the first half our midfield was too narrow, uh, which and they were just clogging up the middle of the field when we were getting too narrow, um, and, and the relationship between our wide central midfielders, if you will, and our wing backs was sort of non-existent in the latter part of the first half and we started to run into this wall in their back line and not create opportunities. So once we once we could tactically adjust a little bit and get our minds into the right place and then pick up the urgency, the game was too slow for us in the first half. I think that's where we find our edge is when we play quick and when we play, uh, we build the speed up in the game, then I think we create chances. So I knew we would create chances. The question was, were we going to finish the chances in the moments that we were able to create? And could we eliminate that one that one chance they might get in transition in the second half to be able to put us really on our heels and the guys in the back did a nice job of by and large snuffing most things out and and we were able to create a couple chances to and and got them and and obviously won the game Greg, um, in terms of the urgency what did you say to the team at halftime because they were a bit um, slow i know you mentioned the position of play but they didn't seem to have the energy or the excitement even the fans were yeah, what's what's interesting about these games, right, is you come home from a 1-1 road game and you're actually leading, so, which is which is strange because in a 0-0 game or a 1-1 game and you have the away goal, you want to try to give up nothing because give up nothing means you win the day. And so there was, I thought early on, we pushed the tempo a little bit. We were able to get into some good spots, but I thought as the half progressed, again, we got narrower and narrower and didn't create those moments where we could build speed in our attack at the urgency of the game. Maybe frustration started to slow us down a little bit. Um, but it, with our group, it is here are the solutions and let's pick up the tempo of the game. X, Y, Z. These are how the ways that we need to pick up the tempo of the game. They're good. They make the adjustments. Uh, and no matter what, this team finds a way to win and they find a way to win by, again, getting back to what it is that they're good at, which is push the tempo, be aggressive, attack. And, you know, the guys behind will make sure that they organize things. But let's be aggressive and go for goal. Greg, what do you think a game like this? Uh, what do you think a game like this will do for the profile of this competition? I mean, it seemed to have everything. There's, there's been some big moments in this competition, maybe not quite as dramatic as that. Well, I think it's, uh, it's a special night again for many reasons. One, I think just the two teams that play each other, the rivalry that exists, the the. 
the history over the last few years of them knocking us out, us being able to knock them out uh, in, in what was sort of an epic series last year, to a game today that had twists and turns. We were ahead at the start. They were ahead through you know the middle portion, and then we were able to turn it around and come back on top. Anytime there's emotion in a game and people are watching, then people get drawn to the game, right? And because people like to feel something. And this game and this competition between us and them, whether it's MLS or tonight in, champ in Canadian Championship, it has emotion, uh, which is what it draws and attracts people to the event, right? And now Montreal and Toronto is an event. Every time it, it, it's on, I think people are going to tune in and, and see what can happen this time. Uh, and the fact that there's a trophy on the line makes, makes it all the more... You know that emotion all the more special, uh, and the second part of that is that our crowd was amazing tonight. We brought there were a ton of people in the stands, and who get to experience this live and in person and celebrate at the end with the team, will just again it'll draw more people to this event. It shows how important it is as an event, uh, you know, for all for all of our clubs. Greg, what do you think this does to follow up on that for the profile of your club? I mean, you're top of the table. You've shown resiliency in this tournament. What do you think this does? Because I mean, you have to be considered as one of the best <clears throat> playing teams you know, in the world right now. Well, I think we we um, what's great for us is this is this is a a very meaningful event in the middle of the year, right? So it has the feel of of something where again the emotion of the game. Sometimes in a long MLS season, you're trying to find these moments that you build up as really important moments, right? Because you want to prepare your team ultimately for the end game, which is the playoffs, which are very different than the regular season. But games like tonight where there's a trophy on the line and they're meaningful give you that sort of uh, – they give you that <clears throat> that trial run in the middle of the season but for a very important event, right, and, and very important trophy. So it's it's for so many reasons. The first and foremost is to win the championship and be the Canadian champion. The second is – as I said, the Champions League. The third is this gives you it gives you that midseason sense of urgency that you have to try to win something because in MLS when there's 34 games, it's very hard to find the moment that is a really decisive moment. And as for our group, I think what it's showing is the culture that is developing within the club that we find ways to win. We, um, you know, our schedule has been incredible over the last you know whatever eight weeks and not to mention the 48 hour turnaround and we're able to get a win against dc turn this one around get another result that this group of players is not only very good but they are they're uh, very competitive and they're very motivated and they're very driven to be remembered for something right and and to put this club on the map as as different that's we said we want to be different than any club who's ever been involved in mls we don't know exactly what that means yet but let's just work our tails off and try to be the best version of ourselves and we'll see what that means when when the legacy is all said and done and that's what this group is working towards last question um it's it looks like bradley and Vasquez are coming together they are moving the, the mm -hmm. ball side to side very very well how how do you see them getting Harder ahead to, yeah. to yeah, I think they're they've been developing a great relationship. I mean, it's it's the feel for moving the ball quickly, for finding each other in in good moments. Uh, Victor always is our guy who has the green light to hit the final pass. Michael, from a deeper position, has the green light to look to play forward and occasion and to look for the right moments to play the final pass. Uh, but there's they have a very good sense of of moving the ball, eliminating people by 
by the ball moving in one and two touch, right? And so the game doesn't slow down. It moves fast. That means that Victor has a little more time. It means Seba has a little more time. It means Josie has a little more time. Because the closer we get to goal, the less time there is. And so the faster the guys in the setup play move the ball, the more time we have in the in the front half of the field. And and the two of them just have a, a nice feel. And I, and I think, again, Markey, I think, has been very good for us in that way because Markey plays in limited touches. He plays... He plays the ball and gets it off his foot as quickly as possible, which means the guys who make plays for us have the ball as early as possible with as much time and space as we can possibly give them to make the decisive plays. And and that's where Marky's running and just his speed of play has helped sort of link the three together and on and our forwards to make us what I think is a is a, a very dangerous team and a good team right now and, and the combination of that group is has a good rhythm right now. And, you know, our goal is to obviously keep build on it and keep it moving and uh, keep as many guys uh, in that frame of mind as we can. TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk. Hey everyone, with me right now on the line is Nick Sabetti, uh, you know from Montreal, TSN uh, covers Impact this week over there on the radio in Montreal, and we talked with him before the the Voyagers Cup final, previewing it, and now we're going to take a few minutes just to go over it again from the other side of the 401 Derby and what it looked like. Nick, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, unbelievable match. So let's start there. Is there a better rival right now in North American sport than Impact TFC? <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote about this on the MLS website, uh, uh, talking about uh, underrated rivalries. Uh, I certainly have, uh, in terms of underrated rivalries in MLS, and I certainly have Montreal uh, TFC as being the most underrated, and I think second. Uh, behind uh, Portland, Seattle in, in MLS in terms of you know the best best rivalries, but uh, yeah, it's certainly uh, a very good one, and it's getting better and better. This uh, this last game now uh, just adds uh, another sort of um, uh, another sort of uh, you know a great game to uh, to this kind of young history between these uh, two clubs. The TiVo in the in the in the south end of the Toronto supporters suggests that the gap between these two teams is significant. Seventeen points uh, separate them in MLS standings, but the match on the field said something completely different. Across these two legs, very even, same as the MLS uh, Eastern Conference Championship last year. How in your as you watch the match, you know from the Montreal perspective, how close does Montreal feel they were to winning that, and do they feel like they were deserving to win the Voyagers Cup? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, just look at the reaction that there was at the end of the game with, uh, with obviously the, the referee controversy. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, um, I, I don't think, I think the impact are, are um, you know, will say that uh, Toronto are a good team. They won't say that they're a better team, although I think that deep down, I think they, they, they do know that, you know, especially looking at the standings. But I will say that, uh, I don't think that the standings necessarily reflect, uh, you know, uh, the impacts overall quality right now. I think they're better than where they are right now. But uh, you know that you know I think we'll have an opportunity to go up the standings. But yeah, I think the the you know I think the the impact played this game and approached this game you know with the with the confidence and with the belief that they could win uh, this this tournament. Uh, and win this uh, win this uh, final, and uh, and they came pretty close. I think that they uh, so I think that that uh, and against the odds as well, knowing that the odds are against them. And I think that the impact you know are usually have been a team right, these last few seasons that 
have played their best football when, um, you know, it's kind of least expected of them. Um, so, and when the odds are kind of stacked against them, like it was in this game against Toronto. So I think that that really sort of the fact that they came quite close and that there was controversy at the end, um, made it all the more frustrating and disappointing for them to have, to have lost the final. Both Toronto FC's last minute or late game heroics in both the, the tie in Montreal and the game at BMO field came when impact were playing with 10 men, arguably. And both of those were controversial. First, TFC score late, the out-the-door goal when Daniel Lovitz is, is injured, and Impact felt the ball should have been cleared out of bounds to deal with the injury. And then the goal to, to, to win the, the, the Voyagers' Cup comes uh, you know against 10 men because Patrice Bernier is sent off in what could only be described as a ridiculous red card. And anybody who saw that and saw the playback, I think, can agree with the fact that that wasn't mm-hmm. a red card. So uh, is, is, that the mm-hmm. co- is that the controversy you're speaking about? Is that the part that, that leaves the impact feeling really unsettled with, with having lost this? Yeah, so I think, uh, I think in the moment, uh, you know, the red card obviously was, was what sort of um, upset them the most. Although looking back on the game, I think, you know, I think they will agree that now looking back on it, that, uh, uh, the calls, uh, the, the, you know, the, the bad calls from the officials you know, went both ways. And I think you could easily argue that, uh, uh, that Javinko, the Toronto Sea were deserving of a, of a penalty kick a couple of minutes earlier, uh, which, you know, would, would have likely put Toronto Sea up, uh, to one in the game. So, uh, you know, probably uh, you could, you know, it went both ways, you could say. But yeah, the officiating, um, not very good. I think not very good. Obviously, probably maybe in the first in the first game um, with with Lovitz going down in the box, you probably. I think in that case with Lovitz, you know, begging for medical attention to come on the field, that the referee, given the, you know the severity of the injury. That the um, you know referee probably should have whistled whistled that down. So yeah, I think different reasons for why the impact are um, not very happy with with the, with the overall officiating. But you know, in the second leg, I think it went both ways. I think you know the probably um, you know Jovinko scoring at the end is probably it's probably a fair result. I think given the balance of things, I think it's probably you know. Like I said, they deserve that. There was a penalty. I think it was Fisher taking down Javinko in the box. Clear, clear penalty, clear tackle. Uh, you know, on, on after Javinko's touch to evade him. So, um, you know, I think it's a fair result in the end, really. Yeah, they probably would have been ten men anyhow because Fisher earlier in the match, just before halftime, had another tackle where he didn't get the ball and got all body. This time on uh, Stephen Betashore. And that resulted in a yellow right. just before the half. So right. that probably would have been his second yellow anyhow, uh, with looking at there. What about the Piotti miss on the penalty kick from the first leg? Uh, any any discussion about that after the second leg in Montreal? Or is that just kind of swept under the carpet or forgot about? Um, you know, there, there was some discussion about that. I mean, uh, the surprise was more... I mean, uh, it was a surprise for me and a surprise for anybody who missed that. I mean, in the sense that, oh, well, it's not, it's not that players can't miss penalty shots, but, you know, Piatti obviously is, 
He's really been a, such a big game player for the Impact. He's really been the one that, in those really big key moments, he's he he loves to play in these games. He loves to perform in them you know, when things really matter. And uh, surprised, uh, many people were surprised that he missed that penalty shot, thinking you know he would have no trouble sort of finishing it. And obviously, he went with probably what's you know, maybe the most difficult penalty to take because, you know, you're going down the middle, but you got to, but you can't put it low. You you have to put it under the bar because, you know, the goalkeeper is diving to his right or to his left and his feet are probably going to be maybe in that lower position. So you got to put it high. And obviously he didn't put it too high, went over the bar. Um, and maybe also, so that was a bit of a surprise that he missed, but then also maybe the discussion of whether or not, you know, Patrice Bernier should be taking penalty kicks, although he's actually missed um, his last two, I believe, which is very unusual for him because he's had an incredible record from the penalty spot, um, you know, since he's arrived here at the impact. So, yeah, that was obviously a, a big talking point because, you know, that would have, uh, that goal goes in and uh, we got overtime after the second leg. So, you know, I think, I think, in a way, you could say that uh, not getting the win at home was really what hurt the impact. I think the impact, you know, have really no. I think they can't really, you know, blame the referees. I would say all, you know, completely at least. Perhaps in part, you could blame the referees, but they also, you know, uh, had themselves to blame for you know mistakes here and there. And also another talking point was that. Um, you know, they didn't maybe make enough changes against Columbus. Uh, the game against Columbus, they lost 4-1. Um, the goals uh, for Columbus coming at the end of that game, Mauro Bello talked about there being a lot of fatigue. Uh, he, he explained fatigue as being a, a, a major factor in that loss. Uh, so a lot of people were wondering, well, given the importance of the Canadian Cup and obviously it must is important, but it's just one game and uh, everything's on the line in the second leg, you know, why didn't you um, rest uh, more players um, for that? And, you know, if QFC didn't travel, they had one day more to, 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 you know, one day more rest. So that was also a big talking point. So I think the impact, uh, you know, they have some things to reflect over, I think. Well, it was a great, a great series in the last, you know, eight months now, we've seen Toronto and Montreal together set records for MLS attendance in Canada, MLS viewership on television in both French and English in Canada, and now a Voyager's Cup, uh, you know, attendance record as well in Canada. So the, the these two clubs together, the battle between them, the 401 Derby, the battle on the field, the battle in the TIFOs, the battle in the stands, the all across the board is really driving the sport in Canada, and it's great to see. Nick, really appreciate you coming on again. Follow him on Twitter, at Nick Sabetti, S-A-B-E-T-T-I, and make sure you check out his work all around the internet. And, uh, you know, we'll talk again real soon, Nick. Appreciate it. Hey, anytime. Take care, man. TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk.
Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to the show, TFC Talk. Steve Gennaro here with me on the line. I'm joined by Kristen Knowles. Uh, you know, if you don't know who she is, well, that's because you're not a real Toronto FC fan. She's the host of the Vocal, <laughs> Vocal Minority Podcast, uh, which is one of the best podcasts out there when it comes to Toronto FC. Sits in the South End, although doesn't like to necessarily stand where the flags are, and uh, it has a massive collection of scarves. Is even ha- had Bill Manning to her uh, apartment for beers. Yes, she is the, what we would call in in the ultimate section of supporter and uh, uh, not just uh, Toronto FC, but Canadian soccer. So who better than to break down the match for us? Uh, Kristen, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. Let's start with, uh, you know, uh, Toronto FC winning the Voyagers Cup. So let's start there. What were the feelings like for you at the match itself uh, at, when Javinko scores that goal uh, in the, whatever, the 95th minute to, to sort of seal the deal for Toronto? Well, for me, it was a particularly joyful feeling, but very strange because I was I was waiting on the sidelines to take the trophy out because that was part of uh, my duties as a voyageur for this game, as I was the trophy presenter for um, for the big for the finale, and so I was not with my friends, which was really weird. I wasn't in the south when he scored the goal. I was I was standing on the sidelines uh, at the center line, but. And it was very weird to celebrate by myself, but I know I leapt in the air and was jumping around like an idiot, screaming my head off, pretty much which everyone else was around doing. And just, you know, just waiting for that moment and hoping that it would happen, uh, that someone would score a goal, but getting to see him score that goal. And it's such a, it was such a clear view of it too, from where I was. And to see it go in and just a pandemonium, you know, mayhem, silly amount of joy. It's just wonderful. Uh, we love, I love the Voyagers Cup. It's my possibly my favorite thing. I guess maybe when they win, when they win that MLS Cup, that might beat it. But I've always loved the Voyagers Cup. It's such a great thing, and uh, crazy wins for TFC seem to happen for it every time. So I just, it was just amazing. It was just a wonderful experience. Let's do some talking points from that. They they beat Montreal. Is it is it sweeter to defeat Montreal at home? Like how does this compare to, let's say, last year's victory, the Will Johnson Bobby Orr goal? You know, the broken leg at the end of at the end of time to to win the ML or the Voyagers Cup. Oh, it's tough because you know that was that was kind of like a in infamy sort of goal that that Will Johnson scored, you know, with the leg and everything, and uh, for it to be that kind of goal was it's uh, it's it's it, it sort of will probably in people's minds more this game we always love to beat Montreal you know, we, we, we play them a thousand times a year or so it seems and there's always there's such a rivalry there and there's so much emotion uh, and passion and, and just intensity between the two teams that it's it's wonderful to win in front of the in front of the home fans like that's always what you want you want your team to you want you want to see your team win in front of you and for a series, you know, two game series that had a lot to it. Like they packed they packed a lot of controversy into two games. So it was it was pretty incredible to have that um to have that in in, in front of the fans, but also, you know, gives give Seba a chance to sort of maybe shake off a little bit of you know, some rumblings about his performance to put in a uh, a really strong game for him, and uh, you know, but Will Johnson's goal—it's—it's it's hard to get past that. Ask, ask me, ask me, and ask me next year. 
We'll see what I think then. <laughs> Seba wins the player of the tournament, and last year that went to Benoit Sheru. Benoit, yes. Do, do you think that the, the Voyager's Cup should also have a, a separate award for the top Canadian in the tournament? That is a fantastic question. Um, actually, yeah, come to think of it, they should. Because that's the whole point of this tournament. It will mean... The thing is, is only having originally only having the three M three teams involved, and then now five teams that you know, admittedly the Eddies maybe there's a bit more Canadian content, and the MLS teams have been carrying more Canadians. But I think next year and the year after, so once League One Ontario, um, the Quebec League comes in, and then the year after that, when the Canadian Premier League comes in, when there'll be so many more Canadian players. I think that trophy will probably mean more, but I think that's a fantastic idea. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, you know, as the, as the, as the competition grows and there's more Canadian team involvement uh, at that level, it will maybe almost automatically go to a Canadian. It's weird. You don't want to necessarily differentiate it, but it is our Canadian tournament. Wow. You with the, you with the surprise, good questions. That's um <laughs> it's from my eighteen I, pages of notes. That's where that's where I got it from. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe that I I think it might be pretty cool actually if you guys in the in your podcast maybe had a little bit of a roundtable discussion on what to name that trophy because I kind of feel like your podcast is the perfect place to come up with the naming rights for the top Canadian player I, in the tournament. I think that might be fun. That might be a great uh that might be something that's right up our alley. Uh, they may not want to use whatever name we come up with, but that, that could be a lot of fun, yes. All right, let's talk about some of the Canadian players in, in the match itself, either for Montreal or for Toronto. How do you think Canadians themselves fared in this in the final leg of the of, of the championship match? Well, I obviously, obviously Raheem helped set up that final goal. Um, but it was kind of funny, and we were joking about this, because uh, our, our joke for this tournament has been from the very beginning, once the Canadian content rule came in, uh, that if managers were, you know, feeling really mercenary about it, start your three Canadians, 10 minutes in, okay, Canadians, off. Very challenged, but was on the bench. There you go. Hey, we started three Canadians. And that was... That was kind of what it felt like almost for TFC on on Tuesday when the early subs, two Canadians off, two other players, two non-Canadians on, and only Raheem was left out there. And it was like, hmm, well, this is interesting. Um, but it, uh, it, was, it was, I understand, you know, and I'm glad we won. I would rather we win with more Canadians on the pitch, and I think there was potential for that, but... It made sense what was done. Uh, you know, Josie obviously had a had a good impact and um, everything like that. So that was good, and I was happy to see Raheem stay on. Um, but honestly, I guess on the on the other side, Patrice Bernier, poor guy. Sorry, I that was not a red card. I feel bad for him. I felt bad for him walking past me when he came off the pitch, and. If I wasn't so nervous, I would have said something. <laughs> but you know, he's uh, he's Canadian legend, and it was tough to see that. But I will, 
I can't point to any one of them that was really like, wow, really taking control tonight. You know, yeah, Raheem set up that final goal. Wasn't his finest night. I've seen him play better. I've, I've seen all of them play better. But again, they were all playing a, a, a pretty scrappy game. Like that was on both sides. That was not exactly a, that wasn't a hugely tremendous, oh my gosh, everyone is so on their game tonight. It wasn't a bad game. Everyone played really well. Everyone played with a ton of passion, as I was clearly evidenced all over the pitch on both sides. Um, if I had to pick a top Canadian, I would probably pick Raheem, just for his overall impact on the match. Um, but, uh, you know, Blue Tavla didn't play very much. and um, Although, you know what? Cripple. Yeah, he made he made he, a couple great saves. He made, yeah. He kept he kept his team in the game and he was he's actually been over two games revelation for them, I think, and I think made a real case for himself to play. Not just be the token Canadian keeper that has to play during these games. I think he should be playing more often. If, if that's um, the case, if that's the case, then it, it, I guess you could say that the Voyagers Cup has served its purpose, right? Because it's given a young Canadian player the opportunity to play and demonstrate his skill set at the highest level, and then turn that into you know potentially more minutes at the MLS level. Well, I, I hope that's what happens, and then yeah, absolutely, that is one of the purposes of the Voyagers Cup is to celebrate Canadian soccer, and yeah, he was he was incredibly impressive. I. I found it hard, other than wanting them to lose, I found it hard to uh, begrudge him uh, his performances because as a Canadian soccer fan, I want him to do well. But you also, when you, you, it's hard to not appreciate good play. And he was, for the most part, really quite outstanding. So, no, I was, I was, I was happy for him in that sense. Um, still happy that they lost, but... I hope that it does translate into something more for him with the club. Okay, last one here. We'll get you out of here on this one here. How did you actually? Sure. How did you actually end up getting to carry out the trophy? Was that something that was negotiated during the Vocal Minority Bill Manning podcast? Was that part of? Like, <laughs> no, no, no. Did, did oh, you nothing guys, to do with TFC. Did you guys tie no, him to his chair after he spilt the pretzels and spilt his beer and refused to let no, him out? No, no, no. <laughs> no, the Voyagers Cup has nothing to do with TFC. Nothing to do with MLSE. Nothing to do with MLS. This is strictly a Canadian. It's the CSA Voyagers thing. This is nothing to do with anything that is MLS related. This comes straight from the Voyagers. I'm a Voyager. I am uh, pretty involved with the, with the supporter group. If you're a Canadian soccer fan, you should look us up, look us up on Twitter, come to a viewing event, join us on Facebook. Um, we need as many Canadian soccer supporters as we can get, and we will need more in the years coming. But no, this is something that happens every year because the Voyagers Cup is named because the Voyagers paid for it. They, they, they brought it into being. There was no trophy for top Canadian soccer team. There was nothing to recognize anything like that until the Voyagers uh, 16 years ago, 17 years ago, got together, put in, you know, there was, there was a pass the hat around kind of thing. Everyone put in, you know, five, ten. Some people put in a lot more. Some people just put in whatever they could. They had this trophy created, and until this tournament was created, they would award it to um, the best-performing Canadian team of whatever the highest league level was in Canada. And then when this tournament came about, uh, 
what has happened since its inception is that a member of the Voyagers, uh, generally, a, hopefully a member of the team that's a, a, a supporter of the team that wins, although that has not always been the case, uh, is, is the one that brings the trophy out. So, no, this is something that uh, Jamie, who's basically the head of the Voyagers, uh, you know, just said, you're up, kid. Your turn this year, basically. That was uh, that was my I happily accepted that offer. You know, last year uh, Squiz got to do it, which was great. Kind of funny since he's out in Vancouver, but it was great that he was there. Um, there's been lots of different people who've had an opportunity over the last several years to do it. Again, some of them happily, some of them not so. I was very lucky that I did not have to present the trophy to Montreal. I would have because that was would have been one of my duties, but that's how that all comes about. This is all this is all but from the Voyagers and organized with the CSA. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kristen. Really appreciate your time. You can follow her on Twitter at KZ Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Of course, check out vocalminority.ca. Go to iTunes, subscribe to the feed, and download that podcast. Comes out basically every single week, and it's absolutely awesome. Appreciate your time, Kristen, so much. I look forward to uh, catching up again with you in person uh, real soon. Absolutely great. Thanks again for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Cheers. TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. With me now is Anthony Zatera. Uh, you know, listen, if, if you follow Toronto FC, if you follow Canadian soccer, Canadian football, the Canadian Premier League talk that we've been having, just anything from grassroots up to the professional and national team level, you already know Anthony at four. For Totera on Twitter as well. Always worth a follow. And I've been a guest on his show a couple times, and it's nice to have him on my show. Anthony, welcome to the show. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for the kind words, Steve. And you're always uh, a wonderful guest uh, on my show. You bring a lot of knowledge uh, to the topics we discuss, whether it's TFC, the national teams, grassroots. Love having you on as well, Steve. Uh, you're, 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 you're very kind, Anthony. Thank you. I wanted to have you on because we're talking about the growth of Canadian soccer here. When we look at Toronto FC and Montreal, just in the last eight months, you know, it's record crowds in Montreal for Eastern Conference Championship, record television numbers, English and French in that Eastern Conference Championship, record attendance at BMO Field last week for the, the Voyagers Cup. And so we're seeing the growth of soccer. And who better to talk to, Anthony, than you when it comes to the growth of Canadian soccer? Tell me just real quickly, put in perspective how how good a, a Voyagers Cup this was or how important this was for the continual growth of the game in Canada. Very important, Steve. And it's funny enough that you mentioned that. I was speaking to Christian Jack last night on my show of TFSN, and he asked me, he knows that I'm born and raised in Toronto, spent a lot of time on the soccer scene with pro clubs and in, uh, in the media um, department as well. And, and I mentioned to Christian and he, he, he agreed wholeheartedly. And I'd like to get your thoughts as well. Toronto and Montreal are very smart, savvy uh, football cities. Uh, they're very knowledgeable of the world's game uh, clubs all over the world that they follow intensely. And, and they started to turn their attention more and more to their local clubs, the impact in TFC and, and it's becoming wonderful to see that. And, and as Christian and I were talking, uh, you know, whether it's in Montreal or in Toronto, you're talking about the impact in TFC, but they're also mixing in some talk about AC Milan, Man U, uh, Bayern Munich, on and on, uh, Barcelona. And he's starting to realize, too, that these cities are, are smart, they're passionate, they put their money where their mouth is. 
and 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 it's it's been proven the last couple of years, Steve. We've seen the growth now, Anthony, um, at the at the bigger level, and we know that the next tier of growth is coming. Next year, there'll be two more teams added to the Voyager Cup, and in maybe two years or three years, we'll see a group from the Canadian Premier League also go in there. Um, how how important is is that going to be to the Canadian Premier League to the Voyagers Cup, and how important do you think the Voyagers Cup will be to the Canadian Premier League? Huge, perfect example, Steve. I don't know if you followed the story last night. I think you did. You tweeted it out. I, I was uh, uh, enjoying every second of it. Cincinnati and Chicago Fire in the U.S. Open Cup. What more is there to say, Steve? I mean, wouldn't this be great? next year and the years to come that we see a league one Ontario team like Sigma or Vaughn or Woodbridge or Oakville take on TFC or the impact, um, you know, or the Vancouver Whitecaps. This is huge. This is important. I, I tell you a little story, Steve, very quickly. At the beginning of our league one season, as I'm the assistant to the commissioner of league one, you know, Rossi, I went into every uh, dress room of, of the teams before their first game. And I mentioned to them what was at stake this year, a spot, an opportunity to play in the Canadian Championship in 2018. And you could see their eyes light up. Some of these guys didn't know about this. And you could see that this was something they wanted to play for. So this is great. One more here before we get you out. I don't want to keep you too long, but I but I, I have to ask you about this. And again, speaking to the growth of the game, the Canadian game, you know, you, you've covered it for so long. Last night, or a couple nights back now, when the, the Voyager Cup final, we saw six Canadians start, but not six Canadians finish. Uh, you spoke a little bit about it on your show, and I encourage viewers to go and hear your talk about it, hear your, your, your rant about where, sort of where we're going with Canadian football and how to get there. But how close are we, Anthony, to developing you know, um, Canadian players who are strong enough to start and play the full 90 minutes in these games and not just because they're mandated? I still think that we have... Um... Uh, a ways to go, to be very quite uh, blunt and honest about it and, and precise and clear about it. we got a ways to go still. Uh, funny enough, around 6 o'clock tonight, I got a message from TFC President Bill Manning. He saw the clip, he saw the show, and, and he thanked, I mean, he was appreciative of uh, the support and the message. And, and we've discussed this, you and I, Steve, and others. Look, I, I'm a proud supporter of the Canadian player. I will defend, I will do whatever I can to make sure that that Canadian player or coach gets a fair shake against an American, a South American, a European. But right now, they're not there. Uh, we saw that, you saw it, I saw it. That first half in that game, after the changes were made, they were the right changes that Greg Vanny made. Jonathan Osorio and Toussaint Ricketts weren't having their best uh, uh, game, their best half. And as a matter of fact, uh, Jonathan has struggled. I believe, I believe that our Canadian players, the majority of them, there's only very few that I believe can start in MLS teams right now and play a, a full 90. Uh, Kyle Lauren is one of them. Uh, there's a couple others as well. Uh, but, but the majority need to play 90 minutes with the Canadian Premier League team. They get that experience week in and week out. They understand, uh, you know, um, the, the ups and downs, they understand what it takes for a full 90 minutes, uh, the physical intensity, the shape they need to be in, then they can get to that next level. Like, let's be honest, CPL is not going to be at the same level at MLS for a very, very long time, if ever. 
I believe it will get there one day, but it's going to take 10 to 15 years. So that next level for those Canadian players will be to go to MLS, or if they're real good enough, maybe to go to Europe. So we're still we're still a ways away. I believe our Canadian players, conditioning-wise, are way behind still. Way, way behind. Well, I'll tell you what, a couple more uh, Voyager Cup finals, like the one we had last year with the Will Johnson goal to win it, or the one we had this year, and you'll continue to see spikes in the growth of grassroots. Tonight I was at, at the field, last night I was at the field, you know, I'm at a couple fields every single night, Anthony, and all anybody wanted to talk about was the TFC game and the Javinko goal and the winning of the championship. So, the, you know, more, more nights like that, more games like that, you know, more interest will continue to spark the passion that we already know is there in the grassroots, but it'll find its way out to everybody else. And you're lucky, Steve. To be honest, my, my two sons are grown up now. They've gone through the system. You're lucky to hear those conversations that you're hearing uh, in regards to the goal and the, and the Voyager's Cup and TFC and on and on. Because 20 years ago when my sons uh, were your kids' age and they were going through what you're going through uh, as a parent now, everyone on the sidelines would talk about Juve and Benfica and Man U and Barcelona, on and on. Nobody would talk about a TFC. Uh, they weren't around back then, but uh, but whoever, the local team in the Canadian Soccer League or the NESL, all they wanted to talk about was their favorite team back home in Europe. It's nice to see that you and, and the people in your circle and, and the parents are talking about uh, TFC, the impact in the Whitecaps. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, what what a time to be alive in Canadian soccer, Anthony. It's just the tip of the iceberg. You know that. There's so much more to come with the Canadian Premier League just around the corner about to start up. And again, with the passion of people like yourselves who continue to champion Canadian soccer and the growth of the game from the grassroots to the national team level, we greatly appreciate it. And uh, of course, I appreciate your time. Anytime you have time to speak with me about the game. Uh, thanks so much, Anthony. And uh, you know, I look forward to seeing you over at BMO in, in, in a couple weeks. Cheers. You're a class act, Steve. Keep smiling. Keep doing what you're doing. Be honest and transparent. You go a long way in the business. Congratulations on uh, your podcast and congratulations on all the work you've done, Steve. Thanks, Anthony. TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk. TFC Talk with MLS and TFC journalist Steve Gennaro. TFC Talk is what you've been waiting for. More Toronto FC every single week. Practice reports, one-on-one interviews with players, coaches, executives, club alumni and insiders, and match day coverage of Toronto FC. TFC Talk can be heard on All In Sports Talk's free app or tune-in station and is simulcast on Waking the Red. You can also listen to past episodes of TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk's iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud channels. Be sure to follow Steve on Twitter at underscore S Gennaro and listen to TFC Talk every week. Up the Reds! Up the Reds! Up the Reds! Extreme Toronto Sports Club, XTSC, offers the best co-ed, men's, and women's recreational leagues across the city. Scarborough, North York, Downtown Toronto, indoor and outdoor turf soccer, co-ed volleyball, and ball hockey leagues too. Get your soccer fix with Extreme Toronto Sports Club. Sign up today at xtsc.ca, xtsc.ca.